You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Good morning. I'm really glad to come before you this morning. Most of you know that I, I don't do well with addresses. Uh, I'm a preacher, and so um, this is really going to be a sermon. <laughs> so uh, if you would look with me uh, at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to look at uh, look there as well as uh, over to Romans 14, 17. Uh, but let's, uh, let's read this and then we'll have a word of prayer that God would open our eyes to what he is saying to us through his word. This is Paul writing, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let the light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Our God and Heavenly Father, we pray that your glory would be the end of all that we say and do in this place. And even as we gather uh, to talk about the business of your church, that really, Lord, it would not be so much business-oriented, but a testimony of your great work uh, in this church by the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I wouldn't compare uh, our church to the church in Corinth and what they're dealing with because they're actually dealing with internal strife. Uh, and that's not something that actually is, is a big deal uh, here at the Advent. But at the same time, they're feeling great pressures that it's really easy to lose perspective on what God is doing in their midst. I don't know about you, but I have the bad habit of thinking that everything in the world is falling apart. And I will even look at my own life and say, oh golly, I'm just struggling with this and and this seems to be hard and this seems to be difficult and sometimes it takes someone else to shake me and say, but do you not see what God is doing in your life? Do you not see what God is doing around you? And so yes, you may be dealing with this difficulty, but are you not hearing the testimony of other people around you that are saying, This is what God is doing in my life, and it's marvelous. And so this past year for me really has been a little bit of a shaking to help open my eyes to the fact that things really are not as bad as I think that they are. But I grew up in a household that really uh, made made this an emphasis. So my grandfather would say things like, Andrew, it's only darkest before it goes completely pitch black. And that's, that's not a Christian perspective, right? Why? Because 
We serve a God who's in control of this world. And so Paul is trying to tell the Corinthians, you've got to get outside of yourself and you've got to actually see reality. Because what you're seeing may be true in some respect, but it's not the whole story. And so somehow you have to get a wider view of what God is doing. And if you're not able to perceive what God is is doing in your midst, the problem is not with God. The problem is not with your circumstance. The problem is with you. That it may be that your heart is actually blinded. It's veiled. And Paul says, look, you understand that this ministry that we have is by the mercy of God. It's not a creation of Paul. What we have here at the Advent is not of our own making. I was struck when Emily said that this is the 147th meeting of our congregation. We're coming up 150 years. That's a remarkable thing. And certainly, circumstances have changed over the years. When we were first started as a congregation, people lived downtown. There were houses all over the place here. And then certainly, as the city began to transition, becoming more industrial and this becoming a commercial district, we had to transition with with it as well. And then, of course, in the difficulties that we faced in the 1960s, and those were hard times for the advent. You know, it's hard for us to remember that the Advent has not always been the way that it is. I mean, talk to somebody who was going to the Advent back in the 1960s, and those were hard days for the Advent, so much so that they would rope off pews in the back so that everybody would sit forward. And yet, God in His mercy continued to preserve our conversation persevere our congregation uh, to the point that we experienced amazing growth in the 1980s and in the 1990s and into the 2000s and even today where now all of a sudden everybody's moving back downtown. The circumstances change but what hasn't changed about the Advent is its commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and the proclamation of the gospel because times change but God's word doesn't. God doesn't change. He's consistent He's in control. And I need to remind myself every day that this ministry that we have is by God's mercy. We haven't earned it. We haven't created it. It's not our ministry. It's God. And so we don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. I do think it probably would be helpful for us to talk a little bit more with one another about what God is doing in our lives. And for Episcopalians, that's hard, right? To to actually run into somebody in Klingman Commons or or out in public and uh, and to say, you know, this is what God is doing in my life. And and it may be, maybe pray for me uh, about this. Give me thanks. Uh, It's a remarkable thing around here. When I was in the vesting room, somebody was standing in there and uh, and they said, well, are you ready to go? And I said, I have no idea what I'm going to say. I have a prepared text and I hate it. Uh, and, uh, and that person just stopped right there and prayed for me. Uh, that's, that might seem like an act of boldness to pray for the pastor, but if anybody needs prayer in this, congregations, in this congregation, it's me. And so we don't lose heart because we know that this is God's church. And so we don't practice disgraceful, underhanded ways, cunning, or tampering with God's word. But by the open statement of truth, 
we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. We're not into gimmicks. And I'm just going to be honest with you, like I've never been dishonest, like I've never been anything but honest with you, but in seminary, do you know what a professor would have said, how to kill a church? This is how you kill a church. You get a downtown congregation with no parking. You use traditional liturgy with Elizabethan English. You have, a morning, you have morning prayer as a principal service on Sundays. And that will kill a church. Well, that's what we do. Right? That's our MO around here. And why is it? Because our faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ, and He has shown His faithfulness to us. We're not looking. Uh, we, can't, we can only be ourselves. We can only be who God has made us. And to be faithful in that and to steward that which God has given us. Nor do we say, you know what? The Bible is just too hard for people today. And so we're just going to disregard these bits and emphasize these bits, or we're going to take these bits and change them up a little bit in order to possibly be more palatable uh, to uh, the community at large. Now, it's it's not uh, a secret that we are in a denomination that does do that. And we have seen uh, a drop in 25% of our membership just in the past 10 years in the Episcopal Church. I'm, I'm struck by it that uh, right now, uh, there are just over 600,000 Episcopalians in church on Sunday. Just 600,000 or so. No, that's not right. It's, it's a little bit more than that. But you can go look that up. But the reason why I was thinking about it, because years ago I was reading in The Economist magazine this uh, statistic that said, over a million Americans claim to have had an experience with extraterrestrials. Over a million have said, I've actually encountered them physically and my life has changed by them. And if there are over a million Americans that say that, and much less than a million Americans who are Episcopalians in the pews, we have to ask the question, what are the aliens doing right that we're getting wrong? Well, I think that the commitment that the Advent has had for several deans is the commitment to God's Word, that we're not really looking to change God's Word, but to honor God in His Word, and He's blessed us beyond measure in this place. And so, but the open statement of truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. And so if someone kind of looks down their nose at the Advent or, or the ministry of the Advent, we simply commend to them, but look what God is doing in this place. Look at people's lives being changed. Look at it. And I think that we've definitely turned a corner because we're now becoming known not by what we're against, but by what we are for. And our convictions are manifesting themselves in practice. 
So Hughes has talked about uh, what, uh, what God has done in the midst of our budget and how whatever it is that God is doing here and how he's blessing us financially, we try really hard to make sure that that turns into ministry, which translates into changed lives. And so when we have a surplus at the end of the year, thanks to God's provision and Brian Helms' stewardship, we don't hoard it for ourselves, but we send it out. God has blessed us to bless other people. And so at our last vestry meeting, some of the things that we did from our overage are one is we gave $50,000 for the renovation of the chapel at Donaldson Prison. Uh, so that more prisoners can come to these chapel services. More prisoners can engage in the work of Kairos prison ministry. Uh, we, we have really a tenuous connection with uh, Donaldson Prison. Some of you might have an actual real connection to Donaldson Prison, uh, whether you're in ministry or you've, you've visited there. But, but that doesn't matter to us. We see people excited about getting the gospel into Donaldson Prison, and that's where we want to invest. We want to go where God is working. And so, too, it's an amazing story, the youth ministry of Rooted that came out of the Church of the Advent. Uh, Cameron Cole and others have brought Rooted really to the forefront of youth ministry in the United States. And big organizations are calling on them to teach them to lead them in how they do youth ministry. So, for instance, the Gospel Coalition, which is a tremendous ministry in the United States, rather than developing their own youth ministry arm, has asked Rooted to take that responsibility on for themselves. That's a remarkable thing, and that's a worldwide impact. And so we gave $25,000 as their ministry begins to expand. We also gave $40,000 to theological education in Africa. Uh, Anglicanism is exploding all around the world, but especially in Africa, birthed out of things like the East African revival in the 20th century. And we see God working there in mighty ways. Uh, And in our partnership with Rwanda, the Kigali Anglican Theological College is now becoming, through accreditation, the East Africa Christian University. And we want to see godly men and women raised up for full-time ministry. And we want to see that they get the training, the best training that they can possibly get. And so we gave them $20,000. And the premier theological institution in all of Africa is George Whitfield College in Cape Town. And we've had those guys here before. And so we gave $20,000 to them. Now, at the end of the day, it's not about how much money we're giving. But I hope what you're able to see is that we're, we're being focused on seeing people's lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, even if it doesn't mean any benefit to us in a temporal way. We're not doing this to build the kingdom of the advent. We're doing it to build the kingdom of God. And so if anyone says, well, you adventists, what's your problem? Our problem is Jesus. And we seek the glory of his name. And so I commend the ministry of the Advent to anyone uh, who would see that there might be something defective or wrong in our midst. 
And even when people might go up against us, Paul tells us here that in many ways, it's the case, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. The answer to the problems in our nation, the answer to the problems in our denomination and diocese are not political. They're spiritual problems that demand a spiritual response. And so if we want to see change in our nation, if we want to see change uh, in our congregation, if we want to see change in our relationships with the Episcopal Church and with our diocese, The answer is conversion and repentance, not politics. Uh, We don't need to gain a better understanding of one another, although that's helpful to some extent. Uh, What we need is for Jesus Christ to be held out and commended to the world. And so when it comes to the situation in which we find ourselves in particular here at the Advent, things are fantastic. I sound like Donald Trump now. It's the greatest annual meeting ever. It's just perfect. It's going to be great. Uh, uh, But I look around and see what God is doing in our midst, and I just wish that that other people could see what God is doing here as well. Uh, the, The closeness and the spirit of expectancy that God is going to do something in our midst, and visitors come and they feel that. I want to show other people that. Come and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. But when it comes to the general situation involving the diocese and the denomination, I'm not really interested in getting involved in the political machinations of denominationalism. I am very interested in talking about the person and work of Jesus Christ. I am interested in sharing the gospel. I am interested in sharing in the work of the Spirit with one another and finding where God is working and going to those places. And so for any of you who have anxiety over the situation in our denomination and diocese, uh, I can understand where you're coming from, but I'm just not that anxious. And that's not any sort of projection, uh, but because, again, we have this ministry by the mercy of God. It's not our ministry, it's God's ministry. And what the outcome of the present upheaval will be, no one can tell. Our duty is to be faithful, knowing that the final outcome is sure. But I do just want to say a word about what it is that we're commending and what it is that we want others to see. Paul writes in Romans 14, 17, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what we're commending. The kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, where Paul is saying uniformity is not unity. And if you find your unity just because you've acclimated yourself to what the culture around you demands... That's just a veneer of unity, but actually the issues beneath that are still simmering and will need to be dealt with. It's not about that, but what it is about is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness. The righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ that he has given to us by his cross and resurrection. 
When people see the advent, do they see Jesus? Now, maybe they can't see us, as Paul said, because their minds are blinded. But that's all the more reason to give them Jesus. And yes, it does mean that sometimes we have to say hard things. Because our conscience is bound to the Word of God. And I would much rather the world be upset with me than God. Because it's to Him I ultimately have to answer. And it's a daily occurrence when I get on my knees for you to think that there's going to come a day where I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and answer for 3,600 people. I mean, no offense to you, but you, you really just have to answer for one. And that's hard enough, isn't it? But God is going to ask, how did you pastor the people that I gave you to love? And so, yes, sometimes it does mean saying hard things. But it's because we want to see people come into relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and have his name glorified. That's our MO. The world is not our enemy. The structures are not our enemy. This is not a temporal battle. It's a spiritual battle that requires spiritual means and tools to accomplish that which God has called us to accomplish. But then look, Paul says, it's also peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Peace. If there is acrimony and discord amongst Christians, the devil is in it. Because Paul says here that the Christian life ought to be marked by peace. Peace with one another. And so when we are engaging with other Christians, are we working toward peace or more division? Are we seeking reconciliation? Not at all costs. But are we worried more about ourselves and us looking good? Or about the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is why Paul says that we don't commend ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and your servants for Jesus' sake. And finally, joy. Joy in the Holy Spirit. Is our congregation marked by joy? Now, this is a moving target, and, uh, and I realize that. But one of the difficulties of the ministry of the Advent is what is the advent? And by that I mean uh, very few of you, if any of you, live within two blocks of this building. You all drive in from off in order to come and gather here in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you probably really only, well, we're only all together once a week. Um, of course, we have small group ministries and things like that that are really fantastic and great. Uh, but when we come together, we ought to be overjoyed that we're together in the privilege of gathering together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the greatest hindrance to us gathering is parking. This is not like the Christians who were recently executed in Nigeria by Boko Haram in the same area that our friend Jawan Zumbis, who's now back in Nigeria, ministers. Going to church can get you killed. And so what a joy and honor and privilege it is for us to be able to gather as Christians, and yet we probably don't think that much of it. Now, I do think that it's a fair criticism that sometimes the Advent can be a little too serious for various and sundry reasons. 
And yet I think that the answer to that is not let's goof around uh, or let's, let's try to facilitate more fun. Uh, I think that the answer is growing deeper in relationships with one another. I think it's actually getting to know one another and loving one another and experiencing life in the Spirit together. Uh, I'm going to be spending almost the entire year going through the book of Ephesians talking about the place and role of the Holy Spirit in our lives because I think He's severely neglected in the life of the church, not just here, but overall. Because I think that most Episcopalians in their Sunday gatherings would rather be thought of as dead than overly exuberant. But instead, to actually open ourselves and free ourselves to say, Lord, have your way in the midst of this congregation. You've brought us together. You're doing a great thing. And the Advent can't just be a preaching station which draws people in, but actually the joy that comes by caring for one another in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God is of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And that's what we want to commend to those outside of our walls. And to even take down those walls and invite, come and be a part of this fellowship that is marked by these things. Come and see for yourself what God is doing. And of course, when you are faithful to the gospel, it does mean that you're feeling like you're going to get crushed that you're going to experience despair, that you're going to be persecuted, that you're going to be struck down. And yet God preserves you in your witness for the gospel. Now in our ministry this past year, uh, I just want to make note of uh, some of the loss that we've experienced uh, around our staffing, uh, namely uh, Deborah Layton. Uh, who left us as our director of women's ministry. And I would, commit, I would give that over to you all for prayer uh, as we continue to discern who it is that God is raising up uh, to take that position. I can be honest with you that, that the search is, is a worldwide one uh, as we discern the way forward. Now, the remarkable thing in the testimony of this is that even in the midst of losing her as she went out to Colorado, uh, the women in our church have stepped up because they've been discipled and they're ministering to one another. And yet I think that there's still a hole in our ministry and we're committed to getting the right faithful woman into that position in order to ensure that we continue a faithful and vital ministry to our women. Secondly, uh, I want to say transitions into this year. uh, I have many deficiencies in my ministry. But I think the one that I feel uh, often is, uh, is my age. Now, uh, all of you look at me, and it's, I know you say, he just looks so young. Uh, but I want you to know that I've looked the same way since I was 16, <laughs> which is great when I'm 40, but awful when I'm 16. Um, and I think that there's a, a bit of a hole here at the Advent in ministering to men and women Uh, who are kind of at that retirement age and maybe a little bit older. Now, I I know that I can relate to many of you who are older because I was born old. I get it. Uh, 
But I think that we really need a, a clergy person to come in and come alongside and pastor people in not just that age demographic, but in those life transitions, especially people who can understand it. And so finding someone who's been the rector of a large congregation that understands how things work in places like this, but who doesn't want to be in charge anymore is nearly impossible. And especially someone who's a great teacher and preacher who is in wholehearted agreement with where we stand here at the Advent theologically. And I'm very glad to say that God has raised up a unicorn. <laughs> and that is that Canon Chuck Collins, who was for years the rector of Christ Church San Antonio in the Diocese of West Texas, who was formerly Canon Theologian for the Diocese of the Rio Grande, uh, will be joining us in April. Uh, Chuck uh, and his wife Ellen uh, are mid-60s. Yeah, mid-60s, and uh, we're really delighted uh, that Chuck and Ellen are coming to join us. Chuck has been with us for Lenten preaching series, and so I want to commend that to you uh, and, and let you know that that, that, that is uh, indeed uh, happening, and please pray for Chuck and Ellen uh, as they make uh, that transition. I also want to say, too, that in this year of transition, we have some other things going on. Uh, one, some of you are still waiting for the update uh, on our conversations with the Diocese of Alabama. And instead of writing to you as a congregation, we've done a video uh, where Gil Cracky has interviewed me. And uh, that will be coming out very shortly. And I'm just going to leave that because it speaks for itself. Uh, and, uh, and also uh, a transition uh, in with a new bishop. Uh, Glenda Curry, the rector of All Saints Homewood, uh, has been uh, elected bishop of Alabama. She will be consecrated a bishop uh, in June and then will take over the reins as the diocesan bishop uh, by year's end. And uh, I just want to say uh, how pleased I am that she's going to be our bishop. Uh, I hope that you pray for she and Bill. And uh, anytime uh, you have something new, uh, there's hope. And I'm very hopeful that in this transition of leadership uh, that there will be greater understanding and uh, I'm much more hopeful than I was before uh, with Glenda coming in. And so I would commend that uh, to your prayers as well. And finally, uh, right after Christmas, as I was reflecting on 2 Corinthians 4 and thinking about what Paul is saying in Romans 14, uh, I realized, you know, I need to take some time away. I need to take some time away, not just to think and reflect, but actually to pray. And uh, I pray for all of you, uh, nearly, not all of you at the same time, but I work through the directory uh, every year. Uh, but I wanted to take some intentional time, and some of you were, were uh, vulnerable enough to send your prayer requests to me, and I thank you for that. And I didn't know what to expect, but I, I left Lauren and the girls, God bless them, uh, at home and went away for several days where I wouldn't be bothered. And uh, as I was sitting there, uh, I didn't know what, what would happen when I prayed. Uh, but as I put the list down of the things that you asked me to pray for, and I put the directory down uh, and some other list of things that, that I wanted to pray about, as I began to pray, I just began to weep. And it wasn't the content of the prayers. It, it wasn't... Uh, it, it wasn't the person I was necessarily praying for. Uh, but it turns out I love you more than I thought I did. And that was already a lot. 
And that was already a lot. And I can honestly say that in that time, I met with God. As I went before his throne of grace and I poured out my heart, crying for hours on end for you, for the advent and the amazing ministry that God has given us by his mercy. And so as we continue into 2020, God has made you a family. A big family, yes, but a family nonetheless. And we stay faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. We stay faithful to his word, and we commend that to the world. And you know what happens when we do that? When we show ourselves as people of righteousness, peace, and joy, and the Holy Spirit, God gives us more brothers and sisters here in this place. Uh, that it would be so for our good, but above all, for God's great glory. Let's pray. God, you're doing a remarkable thing in this place. Help us to see it. Help us to feel it. Help us to keep our eyes focused upon you and give us grateful hearts that even when we're distracted by things that may be real but really are not of ultimate importance and really not the bottom line of what you're doing in this place, that we would throw ourselves wholly upon you, Lord Jesus. Help us to love one another. Help us to know what it is to be a people of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, that we might be a light in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.